So there's a, a gentleman by the name of John Wesley Work Jr. He grew up in Nashville loving music as the son of a church choir director. Even though he earned his master's degree in Latin and went on to teach Latin and Greek, his first love was really music. And he became really passionate about the first, uh, or about the, the uh, African-American uh, spirituals that they would sing, especially when, when these guys were, were in slavery and they would have these songs that they would, that they would pass around. And so he was, he was one of the first to start collecting these songs and to putting them together into an album. This was a difficult task for work as the songs were often passed down verbally, so there wasn't written music, and he would have to put all of that together. And they were passed from plantation to plantation. Uh, it says very few were ever written down, but work was up to the challenge, ultimately compiling three volumes of these songs, including one of the songs that we sung this morning, Go Tell It on the Mountain. As we were singing today, I couldn't help but thinking about those men and women working in the fields, oppressed and mistreated, but still proclaiming the words of the angels on that Christmas evening. What, what, is, what do they say? That Jesus Christ is born. And, and for us today, our challenge is no matter what we're going through, no matter where we find ourselves in life, we've been given hope. And so then our challenge is to proclaim that hope no matter our circumstance, no matter our situation, whether we're a shepherd on a, on a hillside 2,000 years ago, whether we have been abused and mistreated at work today, wherever we find ourselves in life, we want to be the uh, type of people that proclaim the gospel of Jesus. The truth is there's no greater faith than one that is tested. There's no greater faith than one that is tested. And so the, um, when, we, when we look back 2,000 years ago, I, I just want to take a, take a moment here to kind of explain the setting that, that we're walking into. So this is about 4 BC, and Israel is a conquered country. Israel is a country that is under Roman rule. We, we all probably know this. Um, Rome loved to, to promote this idea of what they called the Pax Romana. It was the, I don't know how to pronounce that, but something, Pax, Pax Romana, however you pronounce it. Uh, what it was is it, it boiled down to the, the peace of Rome. And they loved to promote this idea that, that, look, since we've been in charge, there's no more wars. We're, we're doing all sorts of things. They actually um, built roads from, from England in the north to Morocco in the south. They, were, they constructed these, these uh, elaborate roads, some of which are still around today. There's aqueducts, there's all sorts of different things that they uh, put together. They, they built the world's first postal service in Rome at the time. They also introduced indoor plumbing. And, and so the, the, this was a time of where, where you know, life was moving forward, where there was, there was in, uh, invention, ingenuity, creativity. All of these things were happening under Roman rule. And so they, they loved to promote this idea of the peace of Rome, that if you just assimilate, if you just become part of the empire, then look at all of the benefits. Look at all of the things that you're going to get if you just become one of us. But the truth is that the, the reason that there was peace, 
The reason for the peace of Rome was built on the back of their military might and their network of spies that they had throughout the countries that they were that they were over. So it was peace, but it was peace under somebody's thumb. Right? It was it was peace, but it was it was peace where the the same type of peace when I'm looking at both of my boys and I'm like you both stop talking right now or you're going to right? And and it was it was that type of peace where it's like okay, now everything's calm, but at what cost? What, what had to happen to get us to the point where everything is calm? After one rebellion attempt in Israel, uh, about 100 years before this, maybe, um, maybe less than 100 years before this, there were 6,000 individuals that were, that were rooted out as the, the leaders of the rebellion or the, the, uh, the people that were involved in the rebellion. And what the Romans did was they, they lined the highways with their crucified bodies in order to say, hey, look, if you get out of line, this is what's going to happen to you. We've got this great road for you to walk down, but if you mess up, if you step out of line, if you don't do what you're told, there's this constant reminder, and every day you had to walk by it. And every night, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're experiencing this. And when the guards rolled into town, you didn't dare question. You didn't dare disobey. You didn't dare speak back. And so there was peace, but there wasn't really peace, was there? And so it's no wonder then that, that the Jews in Israel at the time were looking for something else. We're looking for something greater. And in 4 BC, the, the Bible says that at the appointed time, Jesus came. At the set time, at the right time, Jesus stepped in to the world. It's the same thing we experience today, isn't it? We're all feeling overwhelmed, overworked, overcommitted, overanxious, overmatched, overextended, right? Over, 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 over. We've all got all of these things hanging over us all the time. We talked about it a little bit this morning in our prayer time. And just the, that God wants to step into that situation. In the same way that he did 2,000 years ago, he wants to bring that hope to you today. So we've got two different, two different things that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at how all of us need a Messiah. All of us need somebody to come and bring us hope. That at different points in our life with God and our walk with God, at different times along the journey, we're all going to find ourselves in need of hope. We're going to find ourselves lonely, anxious, afraid, scared. We're going to find ourselves needing hope. And the Messiah came to bring us hope. But also, there's a, a dual purpose this morning because those of us that have found hope should be the ones to spread the hope, right? We should be the ones to take this hope that we've found and to give it to others. We should be the ones to, to take the hope that resides in us and like that city on a hill like the, or like the, the angels that we're going to read about in just a minute, to light up the darkness with the hope that we've found. Go tell it on a mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Some of you guys might, might be confused by this word Messiah. And so just for those of you that, that don't know, let me, uh, let me try and define it really quick. The word Messiah is the word that is uh, translated into the Greek as Christ. 
So the word Messiah is the same thing as the word Christ. And, and what it literally means, the, the real interpretation of it, or the real translation of it is anointed one. But it was this process where back in Israel, they would, they would set up somebody, they would appoint somebody to a certain position. So somebody would, would become king or they would become priest or something like that. And they would have this ceremony that they would do where they would anoint them with oil. And it was a way of signifying that you are now in charge, that you are now appointed to this task. You are the one that is going to carry out and fulfill it. So they, there were lots of anointed people to do different things back then, but there was one that they were on the lookout for. There was one that they believed would, would come and set everything right. There was one that they believed, and, and we see all the way back in the garden, God started to speak to the one that would come. All the way back in the garden, Jesus or God says to the serpent that there's one coming and you're going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head. Right? And all the way back then, God is starting to set things up. He says there's one coming. There's an anointed one that's coming to set you free, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring joy, that whatever your circumstance He's going to come in, he's going to step in, and he's going to bring freedom and deliverance for you. So, so Israel was on the lookout for the one who was going to save them and restore them. Now what they were looking for was an earthly king. What they expected was somebody to ride into town on a white horse to lead a rebellion against Rome, to drive out their oppressors, to set up a kingdom here on earth. But as we're going to discover over these next few weeks... God had a whole different purpose in mind. God had a different deliverance, a more important deliverance for us. We're not going to get into it too much today, but, but Jesus came to set us free from our sins. Jesus came to bring us hope. We're going to go ahead and turn in our Bibles now to Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and, and turn over there. If you don't, we'll have the, the words on the screen behind me. Um, want to kind of paint the, the picture now, if we could. So we've got Rome, right? We've got this, this empire. Inside of the empire is Israel. Now we're just outside of a little town called Bethlehem. And on the outskirts of town, the Bible says that there's some shepherds that are watching over their fields. And if we, if we try and set the picture, we try and try and paint the picture of what's happening. They're probably, you know, sitting around a fire. They've got all the sheep pulled in close so that they can protect them against predators. We've got a few shepherds that are on watch to make sure that none of the sheep run away. It's interesting, some commentaries say that these might have been the sheep that had been set aside because of their location where they were. They might have been the sheep that had been set aside for the sacrifices. And, and that's just such a, such a great picture of what Jesus ultimately does for us. We don't, we don't know that for sure, but there's a, a, a strong case to be made that that's the sheep that these shepherds were overseeing at the time. And so in Luke chapter 2, we're going to see about these angels talking to these shepherds. It says, there were shepherds out in their fields, and they were keeping watch over their flocks, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and then the glory of the Lord shone around them. So in the dark, all of a sudden, there's this bright light. And they were terrified. 
which is the, the appropriate, the proper response when you're sitting around a campfire and all of a sudden a bright light shines, you're, you're going to be scared. You're gonna, it's going to knock you backwards. It's going to affect you. But also every time we see angels in the Bible, humans have the same response. It's like, whoa, what am I looking at right now? What is this thing? And, and so they're, they're terrified, the, the shepherds are. But the angel said to them, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring to you good news. Everybody say good news. I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, that, that town being Bethlehem, the, the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He's the one that God has called and set apart. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this is going to be a sign to you. You'll find a baby who's wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, as if the first interruption wasn't enough, now suddenly there's a choir of angels, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to, the, uh, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Suddenly the darkness is filled with light. Suddenly, suddenly those that have been living in the shadows have received a great hope. And you can imagine that their ears perked up when they heard that word Messiah. Because wait, this is what we were just talking about. You know? I don't know what conversations they were having right before the angel appeared. But maybe it was regarding taxes. Maybe it was regarding, hey, did you hear so-and-so got thrown into prison? I, I don't know what the, what the conversations were that they were having. But all of a sudden, there's hope. All of a sudden, God steps in to the darkness, and the darkness is dispelled. A bright light shines around them. And so the, the long night was over, meaning the Messiah had finally come. You see, Israel wasn't just under Rome, but they had actually endured over 700 years of oppression. 700 years of persecution, 700 years of not being able to do what they wanted to do and go where they wanted to go and govern how they wanted to govern. 700 years of somebody else telling them what to do. First it was Babylon, and then it was Persia, and then it was Greece, and finally Rome came and stepped in. They'd gone through, they'd cycled through all of the different empires. I think I missed one. Actually, Assyria, I think, was before that. They had cycled through all of these different empires that had come in every couple hundred years and set up. And there's new rules now, and there's new things to go on. New, new taxes, new issues. And when they heard the word Messiah, they're thinking, finally! Because the other thing is they, they had this promise going all the way back to their father Abraham. 1,500 years earlier, he had been promised. He had been in on a night sky very similar to this. He, he goes out, and he goes out with God, and God tells him, look up at the stars. And he says, I want you to look at the stars, and I want you to try and count them. And he says, so shall your descendants be. And then, and then God promises Abraham on that, on that hillside as they're looking up at the stars. He says, you're going to be a blessing. Through you is going to become a nation. And all of the kingdoms on earth are going to be blessed through you. And for 700 years, they hadn't been able to walk in that. 
for 700 years, they had been the, the, the laughing stock. They had been oppressed. They had been living under somebody else's rule. And now finally, it's not just, it's not just the light that came, but now, now they're going to get to step into their purpose. They're going to step in, get to step in to what God has for them. So cool. So cool to think about. Then there's a choir of angel that, angels that appear praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I want to talk about this idea of peace for a couple minutes because I think that there's some people in here that are struggling with this very thought. Or maybe you're watching us online today and you've been wrestling with peace and you're looking for peace and you want God's peace. Jesus, 30 years later, is going to stand before Israel. He's going to stand uh, on, a, on another hillside and proclaim his message to the people of Israel. He's going to say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He's going to stand before Israel. He's going to say, if you will just come to me, this peace that you're looking for, this purpose that you're hoping for, it's found in Him. It's found in Jesus. If you're overwhelmed, overcommitted, overworked, overextended, all of these, all of these different overs, God wants to give you rest. And if you've taken too much on yourself, He wants to lift your burdens. He'll go on to say, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because I'm, I'm gentle, I'm humble, and you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What would happen is, is oftentimes uh, they, would use, they would use two oxen yoked together. The yoke was the, the bar that went in between the two oxen in order to plow their fields. And, and oftentimes they would, they would have a, a, a bigger, stronger, more experienced ox yoked with the, the ox that was still in training. And the, the bigger ox would teach the smaller ox how to do it while, they, while the smaller ox was still growing up. And in the same way, he says, if we'll, just, if we'll just join with him, if we'll just yoke ourselves together with him, he can pull all of the burdens that you have. He can, he can, be, he can step in to that, that big brother role, that, that bigger oxen role in your life where you don't have to carry the weight anymore. You don't have to carry that load anymore. He says his burden is easy. His yoke is light. So whatever you're looking for today, he wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you rest from all of your work, from all of your labor, from all of your striving. He wants to bring you, let, bring you rest. And I just want to, I just want to, I just feel like God is, God is speaking to, to somebody in here today. And you've been, you, you've, you've been going so fast for so long that it's hard for you to even imagine what it would be like to take a step back.
Father, I just ask right now, Lord, for, for whoever this is, God, I pray that you would give them peace this morning, God, that they would be able to lay their burdens down and to allow you to pick them up, God, and that they would, that they would join themselves to you instead of trying to do it on their own. God, I pray just, just speak to their hearts right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Speak to their hearts, God. I don't know who that was for, but if that was for you, come talk to me afterwards. Love to, love to encourage you and pray with you. There, there's no greater faith than, than one that is tested. The, the Israelites found this out. But also, we, we experience this all the time, don't we? How faith that is tested grows. How when, when our faith is tested, it builds new muscles inside of us. It allows us to do more things than we've ever done before. There's no greater faith than one that is tested. The angels not only promised peace, I don't know what you're going through today, but if you're looking for peace, the angels said that there's peace on earth. Goodwill toward men, right? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But he also said that God came to bring favor. That God came to show favor to us. To, to, to show us favor. Favor, the, the best uh, definition that I could come up with for it is, is demonstrated delight. That when, when, when you favor somebody, when, when you've got uh, you know, multiple kids and, and you want to show one of them that they're favored and, and hopefully encourage the other ones to step up their game, um, You'll let, you'll let the one stay up a little bit longer, right? You'll, you'll, I, I'm just kidding. I don't play favorites in my house, but Judah, here. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> um, Judah's getting really good at the drums, isn't he? Yeah. Anyway, good job, Judah. All right. Now, now I've embarrassed him. It's favor. Um, praise the Lord. Because of God's favor, because because of, of what God did, and, and I want to just read this verse once again. He says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So how do you know if you're somebody on whom God's favor is resting? How do you know if you're seeing God's hand upon you? Well, it becomes obvious in your life. I talk about demonstrated delight. It's because, because there's, a, there's an, an idea here that, that you're going to be able to see his hand at work in you. And there's a lot of different ways that this manifests itself. One is that we, we see that our sins are forgiven, right? Romans 4, 7 says that our sins are forgiven. We see that we're in his will. We, there's a, a, new, a new plan and a new purpose that he has for us. We see that he's with us during the hard times, that when we go to him, we can find rest, we can find comfort, we can find the, the peace that we're looking for. We see that he equips us in our struggles. He gives us new strength. We oftentimes, I, and I know that a lot of us in here can testify to the fact that, that I didn't know where to go, what to do, how to respond in this situation. But all of a sudden, God spoke to me and all of a sudden something happened. And I've told the story numerous times now about this whole project that we're in the middle of and how I was sitting in my office on a Monday morning and all of a sudden, you know, going over, trying to figure out how we were going to pay for this thing. And then on Tuesday, somebody stepped in and they said, hey, I want to give the church $50,000 in matching funds. 
And then you guys stepped up and you matched the funds, right? And, and how the, the insurance company came and said, we're going to give 77000 And then they came back after we started working on the roof. And they said, no, we're actually going to give $165,000. And, and all of these things, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is favor. This is favor that God is showing us. This is God stepping in and giving us favor. Doug and Bonnie coming. I mean, it's just, just a, a miracle of a situation where Tiffany's sitting in the waiting room at the hospital waiting for a, a doctor's appointment for one of our kids. And all of a sudden, she sees a message on Facebook. And it's like, hey, Jeff, call this guy right away. And I call him, and he's got the next couple weeks free. I mean, it's favor that God is giving us. But it's not just, yeah, amen. It's not just in the church, though, is it? I see favor in my own life where, where you know, whether it's a, a bill that comes up that's unexpected and then all of a sudden God provides the resources to pay for it, whether it's, uh, you know, a, uh, a, an opportunity that God gives me that I, you know, wouldn't have had. Otherwise, whatever it is, I know that a lot of us in here could stand up and testify. And in fact, a couple of weeks ago, we did it at our Thanksgiving dinner. And we said, let's, let's talk about how God has shown us favor. And so many of us responded. Look at how God has been good to me. Look at the things that God has done in my life. So what was the message of the angels that night? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The first, the first message there, the first thought is that God came to give us peace and to shine his light, right? And to, to give us his favor. So it's not just about, not just about saving us. It's not just about the, the, the release from tension, but also there's this abundant life that he has for us. Also, there's more that he has for us that he wants us to step into. God doesn't just save us from our sins, but he provides us with hope, joy, peace, purpose to carry us and to sustain us moving forward. And so because of that, we have this obligation, those of us that have received hope, we have an obligation to spread hope. We need to proclaim this good news far and wide. We need to go out into the highways and the byways to tell people, to encourage people to come. We need to call up our neighbors that we know are going through a hard time and say, hey, have you heard about this toy store that my church is running? Love to help you get signed up for it. We need to go out and connect with people and, and encourage them. Hey, do you know who this Jesus is? Do you know what this season is all about? Is there any way that I can step in and help you? I've been given hope. I've been given peace. And now I want to share it with you. Just like the angels that day. We're going to have the, the worship team come back up. And we wanted to end this morning thinking back to that hillside, thinking back to 2,000 years ago, thinking back to those angels and this dual purpose that they served of bringing hope to the shepherds. And then, and then what the Bible says is the shepherds are going to respond by saying, hey, let's go and check it out. Let's go and see what happened. And then ultimately, let's go tell everybody the good news of what God has done for us. We want to tell it on the mountain that our Savior is born, that the oppressed are set free, that the hurting find healing in Him. So if you need peace, God is here to bring you peace today. 
And if you found peace, God is here to encourage you to take it and share it wherever you might go. The busyness, the distractions, the worries of the season can fade away compared to what God has done for us. If you want to place your trust in Jesus today, I want to take a moment to do that. I want to take a moment to give you that opportunity. In just a minute, I'm going to have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand and to place your faith and your trust in Jesus because he loves you, because he cares for you, because he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. But it all starts with us turning our life over to him. That just like I talked about that oxen, we need to come alongside of him and allow him to guide us, allow him to show us the way, allow him to be the one that carries our burdens as we go throughout this life. So now with every, uh, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity. You see what Jesus did for us is the Bible says that we were lost in our sins. We were alone. We were hurting. We were confused. We were helpless. But God sent his son into the world in order to set us free from our sins. If you want, to, if you want that freedom today and you want to place your trust in Jesus, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to have you raise your hand. If you're watching us online, make sure to click the link in the chat that, uh, so that you can fill out a card. Let us know about what God is doing in your life. After we pray this prayer, those of you that pray with me, make sure to fill out one of the Next Steps cards so that we can connect with you, so that we can follow up with you. Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. And God, right now, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to find in you the, uh, the hope, the peace, the joy, the purpose that only you can bring. On the count of three, I'm going to have you go ahead and raise your hand high. Ready? If you want to place your hope and faith in Jesus. Ready? One, two, three. Go ahead and raise your hand all across this place. I can see two hands. Is there anybody else? Three hands. Anybody else in here? Maybe it's your first time or maybe, maybe it's been a while and you're like, I just need to recommit my life to Jesus. Is there anybody else that you want to place your hope and your faith in Jesus today? Anybody else want to give it just one more, one more second? Thank you, Jesus. All right, you guys can go ahead and put your hands down. Let's go ahead and pray this prayer, all of us in here together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for coming as a child born in a manger stepping into my sin to make a way for me. Thank you for dying on a cross that I might have forgiveness and also purpose and hope. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I want you to be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give these guys a hand? Come on. For the rest of us in here, our challenge today is to take this hope that we've found. And for those of you even 
that, that raised your hand for the first time or maybe you were rededicating your life to God, now that we've been given hope, it's our job to take it. It's our job to spread it. It's our job to let it be known. The Bible calls us, Jesus would call us later, like a, a city on a hill, right? Like a lamp in a, in a dark room. He says, you don't place it under a bowl. You don't hide it away. But instead, you let it shine for all to see. Why don't you guys go ahead and stand up. We're going to sing this song again. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord.